0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject you've tuned in to hear from, it's Dave Javari. Dave is in Terry Universal and Il Nino currently, and the reason for the conversation is to promote his appearances in Il Nino and Terry Universal when they tour Australia in August of 2017. We talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, though, because Dave has a storied history performing in heavy metal bands. Hope you enjoy this one. Let's get to it. Very interesting bloke. You have performed in a ton of bands, notably Soulfly, Propane, M.O.D., Marauder, Lars Rocket, Il Nino, and now Terry Universal. You are a noted producer and engineer, a bit like your Il Nino bandmate and great bloke Aru Luster. But do tell me about your new project, which is Terry Universal.
1: Uh, Things are great. We are absolutely stoked to come back to Australia uh, since we were there in 2015 on Soundwave Festival. Just looking very much forward to it. Uh, we are putting the final touches on our debut full length. As we speak, we are in the mixing stage at the moment. And uh, we just signed uh, a worldwide deal with Minus Head Records uh, from California. And uh, we're pumped. You know, we're, we're waiting to get back to our roots. I mean, uh, the Australian people, the Australian audience have become pretty much one with their universal since, since the first day we came out there. And our EP Rain of Terror came out uh, on Sony. And uh, in Australia, Aussie fans uh, seem to pick the band up and have a good liking to the band. And we are more beyond grateful and uh, thankful that uh, they have given us
0: the opportunity to uh, come and rage with them down under. Wonderful, mate. And- How do you think you'll go in terms of uh, stamina and uh, conserving your energy as uh, I understand you're going to be pulling double duty on the Australian tour since you'll be part of Terra Universal and also performing in Il Nino? Um,
1: I'm ready to go, man. I've done it before. We did our European tour uh, about 10 months ago where we did uh, 30 shows in Europe and, you know, uh, I had pulled double duty with Terry Universal and El Nino then, um, which El Nino, the guys in El Nino were amazing to allow Terry Universal to support them in Europe. And, uh, you know, we're all family and, you know, it was, uh, it was fine then. And uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm all prepared and ready to rock right now. We're in the middle of an American tour with Terry Universal that finishes on Friday. And uh, then we'll have one day off, and then we're we'll flying to Perth to begin the tour. Uh, the tour Universal
0: in Erlingham. Wonderful, mate. But I'm mate. ready to go, man. I'm ready to fucking rage. The fans are definitely ready to receive you, that's for sure. It's, um, the only reason I ask, mate, is both bands are high energy, that's for sure. High octane sort of stuff, and I, I assume it takes a lot of energy out of you to do it. But, mate, you're a fit bloke, so no doubt you're more than up to the task, and fans can expect a lot of heavy hitting. Let me tell you, I'm going to be pumping fucking espresso
1: ca- coffees like there's no tomorrow. That's my, that's, you know, I don't drink alcohol or do any drugs or smoke cigarettes, but uh, I tell you what, I fucking drink about three, four coffees a day. <laughs> Mandatory. that's my religion practically.
0: Man, I, I know the feeling, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat. And uh, Mate, talking about... You're, you're, you're fucking, you're a coffee head too, huh? Oh man, I am big time. Actually, I'm yet to have mine this morning. It's um, it's ten o'clock over here in the morning, and I I, I It's not like I woke up, you know, recent, like you know. Well, you of units bet, ago, man, but... come
1: come find me at one of the shows, and I'll I'll buy you the strongest Latin American coffee that I can
0: get my hands on. Uh huh. Yes. And fucking make you electrified. Well, that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to ask you about your Latin American roots, if that's okay, because you were born in Peru, but you've lived in the USA since you're 11 years of age, I understand. How often do you go back to Lima, and what are your memories yeah. of growing up in Peru? You know, Lima was uh, absolutely
1: uh, a beautiful place. Um, came to the United States because my dad uh, had found work in America, so we moved to the United States. Uh, uh when i was I got here around ten years all about to be eleven you're correct and uh I have gone back. we just did a huge festival with uh with papa Roach and a bunch of huge bands uh and it was it was pretty amazing um to come back i mean Peru is just a lot more modern and it, everything seems revitalized and uh it just the economy seems to be much better, especially since a lot of people now the new thing in Peru, everyone's going to Machu Picchu. And the, yeah. tourists, the tourist uh, draw has grown by like 700, 800%. It's absolutely fucking insane. There's so many people flocking to check out. You know, it's one of the borders of the world, you know? And uh, it's it's pretty cool. It was great to go back and see family and have them see me play. I played uh, a stadium with El Nino in front of 30,000 people. So it was really cool to come back and see your cousins and my aunts and stuff like that, be there with me just to hang out and and see them again after many years. It's a cool feeling, you know, being raised by somebody and seeing them when you're a little kid and then you're a grown man and you're playing a stadium in front of 30,000 people. It makes you feel kind of proud, like you've done something right. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I'm sure they're very proud of you as well, mate, actually, for you to be able to achieve that.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm, 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 am sure I'm blessed and I'm thankful and I'm definitely humbled by the amount of response that we have been getting, you know, uh, both with El Nino with Terra Universal. Terra Universal is moving up the ranks rather quickly. You know, the band, uh, played three continents, uh, and had been to Europe twice, America twice, all before even putting out our first EP without a record label and no support whatsoever. And, uh, you know, again, we're fucking super pumped. And now things are just moving rather quickly. We signed a deal with with Minus Head Records. And uh, this tour is in the works. We're about to announce two huge tours next week um, for, you know, for Terror Universal. And uh, we supported the new record of Make Them Bleed, which is out on Friday, October 13th, um,
0: worldwide. Sweet. Okay, mate. Yeah, got that about sums it up, doesn't it? And something I've, I've, I wanted to ask you, and I've planned to ask this question, actually, because I don't know what it is, but I feel as though the average Australian has more in common with the average South and Central American, but we are more often compared to the average European or Australian, uh, American. I've got mates in Australia from Brazil, Chile and Mexico living in Australia, and I had a bit of a laugh about the same subject with the great Max Cavalera not too long ago but what's your take on Australia with your very unique perspective as a South American who is a North American resident? How do you see Australians? i tell you
1: something. It's so funny that you actually bring this up because you know, I'm married to an Australian. My wife is Australian. <laughs> there you go. And oh. I've been married uh, married 10 years. My wife's from, from Queensland. She's really
0: pro-victorian.
1: Uh, you oh, me? Okay, right. Yeah, and uh, she, she's... Yeah. And uh, we met uh, while, while touring, and we got, became really good friends. A couple years after we met, uh, we start, got together, and we had our first daughter, uh, Tiana. She, but my wife wanted to have our daughter in Australia because she wanted her mother there. Mm-hmm. So my daughter is Australian also. My daughter was born in Australia. She has dual residency. She's American and Australian. And uh, back to, like, uh, the the connection between Australians and South Americans, Latin Americans, you know, it's crazy because when we go to Latin America, I go to Latin America, we see a lot of products like food that, you know, uh, companies that are like, you guys call it Milo, you know, we call it Milo in, in in Latin America. And you guys have so many different brands that are the same brands that we had over there, you know, It's funny also, like, at summertime is it's in December. So I've always had Christmas during the summer. That's not what it's like in America. America, I Christmas see. in winter, you know? Mm. And uh, you guys have summer, you know, and, you know, you have summer Christmas in the in summer, you know? I've spent a couple of Christmases with my wife's uh, parents in, in Australia, in, in the, in the Gulf Coast, and in Brisbane and, uh, you know, it's just so similar. A lot of the, a lot of the attitudes are very similar one to the other, you know? And, um, I don't know if we have a special connection or something, something, going on. I'll give you a, a, another crazy connection. Um, you know, the drummer for Stone Sour, you know who he is? Yes, yeah. Drummer
0: for, yeah.
1: Uh, he's married to an Australian and he's, He's Ecuadorian
0: from South America. He's yeah, going to Australia and he's, you know, he's a dear. huh? Yeah, gosh, okay, mate. Yeah, no, that's very interesting, isn't it? So it sort of proves the point in one way, doesn't it? Because there are a lot of, uh, on the Gold Coast in particular, there are a ton of Brazilians. Um, and um, and I've got a lot of, as I said, I've got, got a mate who's from Mexico who lives in um, Byron Bay. I, I think what it is, is my take on it would be that we all grew up, grew up under a hot sun. And states such as Queensland, Western Australia, and in the Northern Territory, we prioritise lifestyle, which is, I think, the same for people in South America. And we also prioritise friendship and a good time over material possessions for the most part. Yes, I agree. I agree. I couldn't agree more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the same thing, you
1: you know, Australian fans are so passionate about metal music. They actually fucking crazy about it, you know, and some people with Latin American fans, they're fucking out of their mind about, you know, about metal music. They mm. just, they, you know, it's, uh one one happy family. We're, we're, we're all there to celebrate a, a great night, you know, and we all go fucking crazy together. It's just a, just, it's just an amazing, amazing uh, opportunity to be able to play both Australia and Latin America with both bands and be able to, uh, to rage out this way.
0: Yeah, fantastic, man. A great response. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, it, as I say, it does confirm something that I've suspected for some time. And the more people that I talk to who originated from South and Central uh, America, it does confirm it. It's just something that I've noticed. We, I think as, as globalisation becomes more of a thing... Um, there's going to be a lot more synchronicity between South America and Australia. It's a, it's certainly a trading block that there's a lot to take advantage of. You mentioned there that there is a lot of products in South America and Central America potentially that do come or, or, or originate from Australia or that we share, We share whether it be Milo or whatever else it might be. But I think we're also getting cars in Australia that are built in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, oh, well. Oh that's, really? That's fucking cool. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think there's been a, a. I don't know whether it's a new trade agreement that's been signed, but I think VWs. Some of the VWs are now made in VWs. I'm talking about. Sorry, that are made uh, in Brazil now land in Australia. So yeah, mate. It's it's definitely happening.
1: Um, I'll, just, I'll tell you what. Australia is become, become a, Australia has become my second home. Not only because I'm married to an Australian, but you know, uh, the strength, our biggest market for Terra Universal at the moment is definitely Australia, you know, we came out with a band coming out and doing Soundwave 2015 and putting out the Reign of Terror EP on, on, on Sony, you know, and, uh, now getting ready for the LP for the pulling, we're pumped man, we, we actually can't wait to fucking come to Australia and, and we're gonna be playing a couple of new songs from the record, you know, uh, to make them bleed as well as some of the, uh, older tunes that everybody's used to and, uh, getting ready to, uh, reach with our bros in El Nino. El Nino's also getting ready for some for a massive, massive
0: tour. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be in the crowd, for, for well, obviously, for both, because it's at the same show. But, uh, mate, it'd be cool to catch up and have a beer with you, or coffee, I should say. Gosh, you know, we mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. Mate, it'd be great to have a coffee with you, because I'm already going to have a beer with Rue if I can manage to find him in in, in the morass of all of the fans that are around him. So we should try and do that. <laughs> awesome, of course. <laughs> Mate, I'll just do a time check. How much time have I got left? Whatever time you need, man. I'm here. Okay, wonderful. Cool. You are a drummer. You're a bloody good drummer, and you deploy a lot more than the standard blast beat and polyrhythm. How did you get into drumming, and what keeps you inspired?
1: You know, I was actually a bass player when I started, and uh, I was playing bass in this shitty band. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) We used to rehearse at a place you paid by the hour. And since we were paying by the hour one, day, one time, um, I was kid, I was 16, um, we We're jamming, and my drummer decided not to show up and kind of fucked us over. And me and my guitar player were looking at each other like, uh, my guitar player, me and my singer were like, how the fuck can we rehearse without a drummer? How can we actually play without a drummer? And uh, we're trying to call him, you know, and he's nowhere to be found and uh my guitar player said hey why don't you um you know why don't you play drums and i was like play drums yeah at least we could play and sing guitar with a drummer than just two bass players a bass player guitar player and a drummer and a singer sorry and i started playing drums that day and like guitar players like stopped and said man you play better drums than our drummer (laughs) <laughs> and I was like that's kind of fucking weird I've never played drums in my life you know yeah, it was kind of like for the course it was just I was meant to be man and uh I started rehearsing and then I got signed to one of my first bands when I was 17 years old I was in high school still called Gothic Slam it was kind of like kind of like power metal kind of like anthrax early Metallica yeah like Kill 'Em All Metallica and uh nice. we got signed we got signed to to uh to Sony actually, but well, there wasn't Sony at the time. It was Epic at the time, and we were signed. We had peers that were in the same label We were like uh, there was suicidal tendencies, creator, uh, a bunch of metal bands, uh, and uh, that that's what took off. And after that, they started rehearsing, and uh, I got signed with that band, and then I joined Los Rocket. The two records mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. I moved to Berkeley, California. Then I left uh, Las Rocket, and I joined M L D Method of Destruction, for four records, uh, living in New York. Then after Method of Destruction, I joined ProPain, and uh, I joined them for two and a half years, and uh, did a, a, a studio record and a live record with them, and uh, after that, I was um, asked by Mikey from Soulfly, to basically come and jam with them. And then I ended up joining the band and going out on tour with them, with Iron Maiden, and uh, another tour, Headlining with Hatebreed, uh, A couple of tours back and back, and then I played on the uh, Nativity in Black, the Black Sabbath tribute, on that uh, on yeah. the one track. What track was that? Um, yeah, with Toby Wright, uh, Under the Sun.
0: I've got that. I've got that album. Under yeah. the Sun yeah okay yeah right. I,
1: played, I played on not track, uh, going to Phoenix and Toby Wright, who I just finished doing the corn record mm. um and yeah a couple of others us just basically uh produced that track and he was fucking great to work with, and the song came total ass. and um and then after that, I was in that for a little bit and we I, I already before i I started playing with Soulfly, I already started had started Il Nino. And a, different, and a different, under a different name, under El Nino instead of El Nino. And we're already in the works of getting our demo finalized. But then I stopped doing my tracks because I, I ended up playing with Soulfly. But then when I came home from Soulfly, I got the, you know, I got the itch again to uh, to continue with El Nino. And uh, we changed the name to El Nino. And uh, we actually, I ordered it to uh, work on the records for A and R, Mike Gitter, and we were signed two weeks after that. So it was pretty crazy. Came home from Soulfly, Fly, finished the demo. Two weeks later, we're signing a deal with Warner Records. It was what started catapult to the Alino's uh, career. Mate, what 17 are you? Seventeen years
0: now. What do you? You've been very successful. I need need to um, mention at this point clearly because you know there's this cliche that it's very hard in the music industry, but Just through your response then, mate, I've just heard that, you know, you've been in all of these wonderful bands. You're in Soulfly and then you've you've finished working with Soulfly or come off the road from Soulfly, started the magnificent Il Nino. Now you've got this fantastic other project, Terry Universal. What do you put that down to? Is it just a positive mindset that you carry or have you got some, have you got a, I mean, you you can be as um, non-modest as you want in this response. Is it just the fact that you're a good business person and you know you're around the industry?
1: I think, I think that everything feeds from each other. I think that I'm very passionate about music and I'm very passionate about the dance that I play. And um, You know, I take it very seriously. It's not a hobby for me. It's a way of life. You know, playing drums and being in a band and playing music is a way of life for me. It's not something that I do just to do, uh, you know. And I think just the way that you, you approach it. You approach it like your business and you approach it like your job and you approach it like your dream and like your fantasy all in one. I think that uh you know you'll you'll have much more success than if you're just dabbling in it to try to you know party or when really you try trying to pick up chicks or whatever you're doing at a young age you know um I've always been very serious about what I did with music I was always in love with music, I was always in love of playing music and uh it was my again you know not drinking not not doing drugs or anything i mean this is this is my outlet. I look forward to playing drums once a week on the weekends when I got together with vocal bands and then I got, I, I fell in love with being on the road, you know, and now I've been on the road for 32 years, you know? And, uh, yes. that's, that's the crazy thing. It, it's been, it's been a, a, a positive rollercoaster of just a lot of work, you know? But, uh, yeah, I love what I do for, for a living. I mean, I can, I could never have a, a better job than this, you know? Even when, even when you're, you're tired, even when you're exhausted and, you, you know, you've had a bad situation, this pulls you out of that bad situation and gives you, makes you look into a different life because you have these people appreciating what you're doing and It's just a lot of music that keeps me focused and still doing it 32
0: years in. Cool, mate. And have you ever thought about going back and reissuing and remastering some of those classic Gothic slam records?
1: You know, we actually were not talk with a label, and we're definitely going to do it. We're definitely going to reissue them. Actually, I'm going to try to reissue them by Thanksgiving of this year. Coming to two labels right now. Uh, I talked to a couple of guys. Unfortunately, my guitar player, one of the reasons why I played drums, his name is Cordia Gonzalez, passed away this year um, from complications of of, of his liver. And uh, he was a, a, a fucking amazing guitar player, an amazing person. And we were super close, I said, when we were 16 years old, we were jamming as a kid. And he taught me a lot how to play bass and rhythm and stuff like that, and, and how to uh, keep timing. And, uh, you know, uh, I had the bad news a couple of months ago, two and a half months ago, that uh, he passed away. And that uh, was something completely gut-wrenching about it. Uh, you know, you move, you move forward and you keep all the good memories and you are, you're appreciative of the time that you did have on the earth with that person. And that's all you can do.
0: Yeah, sweet, mate. Yeah, and just a bit of a different question about the music industry in 2017 or bands that are in the music industry in 2017. Of course, um, we're in the age of metalcore and deathcore. You guys play a decidedly different field of metal. What's your take on all of all of those core prefixed genres? Because you've certainly shared a lot of bills with them over the years. You know, I respect music, you know, and
1: a label's a label. Let's just be real. Labels are, are, are given to bands, and for whatever reason, whoever gave them that label, I mean, you know, to me it's like, who works hard and who uh, who's honest with their music? You're, you're you you come into a day and age with bands where fans are extremely, extremely smart and ext- and they can they can they can see the bullshit coming from a mile away. If they know if you're a fake motherfucker yeah. there and you're trying to fake music they they can see it and they can sense it. And then that, that that man will fail. For sure. And uh when you are real and you are real to the cause of what you're trying to do and you love what you're doing and you're doing it not because you should be doing it, but because you do want to. I think fans are here. That's why I think that we've had such great success with El with, with Nino. And then more notably so, I mean, we, we've moved up the ranks quite quickly with Terry Universal. Um, you know, because we're honest, we're, we're doing this because we love to do it. And um, we're coming here to fucking crush. We're not coming here to, to, you know, wiggle around and, and pretend. But we're having fun. Right? We're actually genuinely having fun. We're on the ridge all these like, fucking crazy maniacs and get some crazy bits cool. going. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to stop I'm trying to get your drink spilled, man. That's my job.
0: Yeah. That's a good way, of bloody. Looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Get people to bob their head a little bit, and the other thing that I appreciate about the bands that you've been a part of—they're all fun. They don't. Whilst there's a serious element, I think the serious element is about taking the music seriously, but it doesn't seem like you take yourselves too seriously at the same time. That includes Self Fly and and um, MOD in particular. Um, so when you let me ask you a question about MOD, that was um, Method of Destruction, of course. Um, God, I, I've got a bit of a mental yeah. blank here at the moment. But was that Billy Milano's band? Yes, that he
1: was also take of SOD with Charlie and uh, Bedanti. And Scotty of Anthrax. Yeah. And he started M O D Method of Destruction. Uh and I joined them in nineteen ninety two through ninety six. And I did uh I did the first record I did with them was the rhythm of fear record. Then I moved down to the, the evolution record. Then uh Love by Thousand, Hated by Millions, and then Dictator Aggression. I did all four records for Good Billy. And uh, it was it they they were, you know, amazing. Records. it was just a great. It's a busy part of all that. I also played in a band, in a hardcore band for about a year called uh, called Marauder.
0: Yeah, yeah. From, and, you, from uh, New York, I think they are. Aren't they? Yeah, it's been. Uh... Say that again. Are they from New York? Yes, they're yes. from New York. Okay. yep yeah. No. It bad. was. A, oh, it was yeah. a, a totally ama- a, amazing, amazing, amazing it Jeez, you've done a lot. Yeah, it's I mean, working with Billy, what was that like?
1: Oh, he's he you know, he's he's very smart about his business and uh he definitely uh was a great front man. He was hilarious uh to watch and, you know, he's uh, it was good times, you know. Uh between 92 and 96, we 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 had a, a lot of success with the band and uh but uh, I moved on and joined Propane after that. Um, I wanted to be in a band that was to tour more and uh, Pro- M.O.D. started touring less and less as it progressed from Rhythm of Fear to, to you know, the evolution with a couple of European tours and stuff like that but then started slowing down and uh, I needed to be active and I needed to be busy which I always have been in every band that I played in and, uh, and uh, in Propane I had, got a call from Rob Machete the bass player of, uh, of Propane yep. at the time. He was actually the bass player in the Method of Destruction. And, and he was had he called in, me um, Hey
0: man, you know, we are... Was he also in uh, Crumb Suckers? No. The
1: bass player, the bass player from Propane is Signal Propane. So he, But he was playing bass in MOD and he became the guitar player in Propane.
0: Okay, gosh, yeah.
1: And about a year before I left, I left MOD, and so he basically called me and says, Hey man, I'm not playing bass with propane, but I'm playing guitar and propane, and we're looking for a drummer. We are replacing our drummer, and I think you should join the band. And I said, Well, are you offering me a spot Do you want me to try out? He goes, No, fuck that. We're offering you a spot. There is no tryout. And uh, so, you know, I uh, left MOD, I've been kind of on my way out anyway at that point. And I started with Propane, and we toured our balls off. We went to Europe so many times, America, over and over. We did just tours with a fuck little dance and a bunch of festivals. And it was good times. So it was actually a great, uh, a great experience with the band. Gary Messler is a very, very smart individual when it comes to business. I would be alive to say if I didn't learn uh, a couple of business pointers from him. Um, again, he's a great businessman, and... Uh, at that point, I was just, you know, absorbing and learning, learning the business. Um, not only do, you know, do I play drums in El Nino and Universal, but I actually manage both bands also. I manage Terry Universal and El Nino, nice. and I had a management company called CIA Management since 2007. Um, you know, I manage uh, both bands and another couple other bands also, and the roster, but... Uh, yeah, man, can't wait to give it to Australia. That I'm pumped about more than anything.
0: Yeah, sweet, mate. And I'll just ask you a quick question about your, your managerial skills there. I think a lot of people who are just fans of music, particularly a lot of younger people, I mean, they don't know any better, but I think sometimes there's the impression that playing music is all just is just about playing music. That, But I would imagine that the ratio between, you know, if it was on a scale of 100%, of it would be playing music and 70% of it for your good self would be looking after the business aspect. Yeah, you know, it's the music business. The music does
1: not live without the business and the business does not live without the music. And they both feed off each other, like I said before. And it's important that you keep your eyes peeled and you pay attention to detail for both aspects because, you know, you can't go on tour without knowing your business and you can't go on tour without having a great record to go on tour with and promote so you just have to be aware that they're both equally important a lot of people get caught up in the whole of an artist thing and uh yes you need to be an artist you need to write some great records and you can't rush music but at times there is deadlines and there's finances involved and you need to abide by that and you need to use it in your in your favor and sometimes you know a labels put in pressure on a band like hey i need the materials i need the record i need this, I need that. And bands get kind of pissed off like it's the, the band versus the record label. But if you kind of look into that and you understand that the label is asking you for these materials, but they want to promote your band. They want to promote what you're doing to have ample time to be able to to break the band. And uh, so I think that, that that upcoming bands and new bands need to kind of see that. You need to pick a team that you're happy with and you need to actually open your eyes and, and be... Be uh, be patient and also absorb. That somebody a lot of times, you know, I'm 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 49 years old man, and I still learn every day. I think that for somebody to be close-minded and say, "Hey, you know, I'm done learning, I know it all," you know, then you, you're full of shit and you're full. <laughs> that's that's not the way life is,
0: no, especially in music
1: business. It's ever changing. It's ever fucking changing. Every week there's something new. You know, first it was it was illegal downloading, you know. Now streaming, and it's it's gonna get it's always worse. it's gonna get worse and worse. Never gonna get better. But uh, you know, I, I look at the positive aspects. A lot of people are like, "Oh, fuck being in a band, the fuck doing music for a living." You know, everyone's stealing music, all the pirating, and you know all the streaming. You're not getting paid. Well, then you adjust. You adjust to that. And you tour more, more often, and you do smarter tours, and you do, you know, other things that you can promote your record. You utilize, you know, digital age in your favor. You know, worry more about videos and worry about keeping your your you know your fan base uh, informed. You know, post every day on Instagram, post every day on Facebook, post every day on Twitter, and get your
0: shit together instead of sitting there and point the finger. Why? You're not being successful, you know? Yeah, mate, i tell you what. John's just given me a heads up that I need to wrap up the call because somebody's trying to talk to you, trying to call you and ask you all these wonderful questions about your Australian tour. And um, I think I can say this. he's, oh, he's told well, me.
1: I, just want, I just want to say I can't wait.
0: No worries. And, uh, John has asked me to tell you to say fuck you. <laughs> so there you go. I hope that's an inside joke. Uh, I'm, he's, he's just jealous. He's
1: just jealous that I don't give him the time of day. (laughs) Tell that I said, fuck you too. Love you too. Fuck you too. I will, man. I'll text uh, you back, yeah. Besides all that, I just want to say, uh, let everybody know, man, that we're coming and that we cannot wait. El Nino and Ontario Universal is going to fucking tear the roof off all these places. And Australia, here we come next week.
0: Mate, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, sir. Hopefully, I'll get to see you at the show. Absolutely.
1: Please right. come by and say hello.
0: Will do, mate, for sure. Thank you. Catch you, mate. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject you just heard from was Dave Chavari from the outfits Il Nino and Terry Universal. Thanks so much for listening.